With your latest news, I'm April Cummings. The governor proclaims the country's start to several months' worth of events celebrating Queen Elizabeth II's 70 years on the throne. Hear ye, all citizens, residents, and visitors to these beloved Cayman Islands. We are today commencing our celebration of our glorious Queen's Platinum Jubilee. As you heard live right here on Radio Cayman this weekend, His Excellency Governor Martin Roper read the proclamation at the opening of a special sitting of Parliament on Sunday. Let it be known in proclaiming this tribute to Her Majesty the Queen on her Platinum Jubilee that we are one nation and one Commonwealth. On February 6, 1952, Princess Elizabeth acceded the throne, becoming Queen Elizabeth II. During his speech, Mr. Roper spoke of the three times he has met the Queen, most recently just after his appointment as Governor of the Cayman Islands. And despite the passage of time, Her Majesty recalled many details of her two visits to Cayman in 1983 and 1994. And what was clear from my discussion with Her Majesty was that she is very, very proud indeed of the royal family's links with the overseas territories. Weekend events also included a dinner hosted by the Speaker of Parliament, 70 seconds of silence observed on Sunday at 12.15, and the formal opening of an exhibit on the Queen in Parliament's lobby. During his contribution to the discussion, Premier the Honorable Wayne Panton took the opportunity to discuss the Queen's two visits to the Cayman Islands during her 70-year reign. She was here 39 years ago on the 21st of February 1983 that the Queen, accompanied by His Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh, entered these very same chambers to deliver the throne speech during the first of her two royal visits to the Cayman Islands. The Queen said, and I quote, although small in size and population, these islands have forged ahead and are now a progressive and prominent community in the Caribbean region. Indeed, we were then and we are more so now. In 1983, Cayman's population was estimated to be about 18,000. Today, the estimate more than 70,000. I believe that today the, the Queen remains and has every reason to, to be even more so proud of this small yet progressive and prominent community in the Caribbean region. Mr. Panton asked all residents to use these celebrations as an opportunity to reflect on just how far the country has come since 1952. Let us also think about where we're going and what we want to be when we get there. As I've said often, Mr. Speaker, the vision of this government that I'm honored to lead is of a Cayman Islands that is held up as uh, one of the most sustainable countries in the world. A trio of islands where all of its citizens can thrive, a peaceful and prosperous place known for its resourcefulness, its diligence, its excellence, and its innovativeness. Leader of the Opposition, the Honorable Roy McTaggart, honored the Queen on behalf of his side of Parliament and their constituents. He said her two visits to Cayman provided a special personal memory for residents who got to meet her and a collective sense of pride for the community. For me, it was her second visit in 1994 but I had the honor to attend a luncheon at Government House with Her Majesty and her late husband, Prince Philip, hosted by then-Governor Michael Gore. And Mr. Speaker, what I remember most of all was Her Majesty's genuine warmth, charm, and friendliness. The memories of that occasion remain fresh in my mind as if they had taken place today, and I will forever cherish the memories. Several months' worth of activities are scheduled to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, including Commonwealth Day events in March, the arrival of the Queen's Jubilee Baton in April, in preparation for the Summer Commonwealth Games, a car show in May, and a weekend packed full of celebrations in early June. 
After postponing several inspections because of COVID-19, the Office of Education Standards has followed up with several thematic visits to local institutions. As Radio Cayman's Carsley Fuller reports, in mid-January, the OES headed to Grace Christian Academy to talk about how the pandemic has affected the school. In a letter posted to the Office of Education Standards website, a senior inspector spoke to her January 12th visit, adding that she did not find any, quote, significant concerns. The content of the letter gives an overview of discussions about what happened in Grace Christian Academy regarding leadership and well-being since September 2021. According to the letter, staff has placed a high premium upon the health and safety of students, and wellness checks among staff and students have been supporting their emotional well-being. Teachers have adapted schemes of work to a blended learning format, to promote continuity of learning in both face-to-face and distance learning contexts. The school reported increased challenges in tracking and monitoring students' progress in different learning environments. However, it did keep parents informed about their children's progress through a range of informal and planned opportunities. Parent conferences were facilitated both face-to-face and online. The letter says the school's website was underutilized, and the inspector says this should be addressed to further improve communication and provide easy access to a range of resources by all during the pandemic. The principal reported that one of the main challenges facing the school at this time was a shortage of qualified staff, compounded by resignations and illnesses, as well as quarantine and isolation requirements. There were also concerns regarding the impact over time on teaching and learning given the levels of staff attrition during the pandemic. Finally, the letter adds that the school needs to review and formalize its management structure to, quote, promote strategic focus upon priorities and assure a manageable workload for staff. Reporting for Radio Cayman News, I'm Carsley Fuller. Following the publication of the Ministry of Education, guidelines and the constraints of COVID-19, the OES planned these one-day thematic visits to reduce the pressure on schools. These are not inspections, and the unit is not giving graded judgments. Curbside pickup and drop-off at Owen Roberts International is back starting February 14th, although there is a bit of a catch. Vehicles will be subject to security screening at the airport security checkpoint booth prior to curbside access being granted. The news comes after a short-lived decision by the Cayman Islands Airports Authority last August that only authorized public transportation and tour operators would be permitted to drop off or pick up passengers at curbside due to security concerns. That decision has now been reversed. Airport customers can still use the drop-off zone in the short-term parking lot, and that is encouraged, in fact. It's free for the first five minutes and $2 per hour thereafter. Fashion meets folktales with a local designer's Cayman-inspired swimwear. Radio Cayman's Felicia Rankin-Solens has the details. The swimwear collection is aptly named Storyteller. Each hand-drawn design featured on the clothing is inspired by a fable written by Cayman Islands storyteller Nasaria Suku Chalette. Fashion designer Izzy B. shares her discovery of these stories. I'd spent some time at the CNCS library uh, and I was looking for stories because I was interested in the types of stories that we tell uh, in our communities that bind us together. So stories of our culture and stories of who we are as people. And while I was there, I was looking through different storytellers' work and I came across Nasaria's stories, which I loved. And one of the stories was handed down to her from her mother, Virginia Saku. And the ideas were so unique and so Kimanyan, and I wanted to integrate them. Growing up in Nigeria instilled Izzy B with a love for telling stories. She sought to share those stories through fashion and technology. The print on each piece is based on one of these stories, and I wanted to bring some technology into it as well. So worked with Stefan Cottrell at Keep Creative 
to create these stories into um, audiobooks, which were narrated by Nasaria, and then we turn the audiobooks into QR codes so that when you buy one of the pieces on the label tag, there's a QR code, and if you scan it on your phone, you're able to hear the story. It's just we're using fashion in a different way to give more of an idea of Cayman culture. Izzy credits all the Caymanian talent she found along the way for helping make this collection possible. I'm so grateful to have been able to work with all the amazing local talent that I was able to tap into. I mean, I had an idea and I didn't know how the idea could be accomplished. But then looking around us here in Cayman, I found Nassari, I found Cottrell and Keith's Creative Studio, I found my seamstresses, I found my models. So I'm grateful to everybody who stepped up to make this a reality. Um, and it was, it was amazing to work with so many creatives in Cayman, and that was, my, that was my intention. The full collection is now available online at izzybdesign.com with local and international delivery available. For Radio Cayman News, I'm Felicia Rankin-Solins. Select products from the collection are also stocked at the National Gallery of the Cayman Islands and the Kimpton Seafire Resort and Spa. That is your latest local news from Radio Cayman's newsroom. I'm April Cummings. Good evening. With a look at Radio Cayman's local sports, I'm Dion Anglin. Stingray swimmers are gearing up for nationals in three weeks and Carifta in two months. Stingray Swim Club coach David Pursley says his program has been coming along strong with athletes preparing heavily for competition. Those that haven't qualified for Carifta yet will be getting a little bit of rest leading into that and we'll be working on uh, racing skills and sharpening that up. Those that have already qualified for Carifta, they'll be training through that. We'll be training pretty heavy over the next three weeks. Right now, now we're working on strength and power in the water, so a lot of resistance stuff, and we're getting into the weight room three times a week and lifting pretty heavy right now for those that have already qualified. And then right after nationals, we select the Carifta team and we start gearing up for our April meets. So Carifta is in April this year. We'll have some really serious heavy training right after nationals. We'll pile it on for three weeks and they'll really feel that training. And then we come down right before Carifta. But not to worry, Coach Bursley says there's also something scheduled for kids who do not make the qualifying standard Carifta times. Some of the kids that don't get to qualify for Carifta or don't get those times, we'll be traveling with them. Right now we're looking at options in North Carolina, in Jacksonville, and even up in Boston. But uh, we don't have a definitive meet just yet. But we do look forward to getting everybody racing long course and off-island racing for the first time in a while for, for a lot of these kids. So I'm hoping that'll bring some excitement. The Stingray coach tells Radio Cayman Sports they have changed the way they have been doing quite a few things on island recently at meets to help prepare kids for international competition. We just finished what was the Penny McDowell Memorial Series, which was Friday night meets just for the older kids. What we were going for with that was more like what you would see in high school dual meets and in NCAA dual meets. So we had a lot more energy. It was a lot more team based and team oriented and I think the kids really enjoyed that. The relays were a lot of fun. All the meets were a lot of fun. Every team came with a lot of energy for those last three Friday nights. It was also something that was a quicker, shorter meet. So we were thinking, you know, two hour sessions instead of the long, grueling five hour sessions that we have at some of our meets. So it was a nice change of pace for us and the kids are pretty excited and motivated right now. Nationals is scheduled for March 3rd through the 6th. The 2022 Carifta Swimming Championships is set for Barbados on April 16th through the 20th.
The numbers at the Breakfast Club are continuing to grow as local basketball players still try to grapple with the pandemic and its regulations. Seba youth coach Corey McGee says the participation from both boys and girls has been extremely overwhelming despite the circumstances. The progress and the growth and the maturity of these young kids after watching so many of their friends you know, uh, go away to school has been, you know, something to see. The dedication to these kids waking up every morning has been extraordinary. We've expanded the sessions. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we're going two times a day. So on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, you know, we go from 6 to 8 p.m. as well. And that's at John Gray High School. But the Breakfast Club is, you know, six days a week, 5.30 in the morning till 7.30 in the morning, six days a week. And then on Sundays, we actually have a little miniature basketball league compiled and mixed up with kids from the Breakfast Club and kids from the local community in Windsor Park. So there's a lot of basketball happening now and it's all been stemmed from the Breakfast Club and what's being done in there. So, you know, the fundamentals and just practicing hard and creating a certain level of infrastructure and discipline. That's what we're trying to do at the Breakfast Club and it's going really, really well. Coach Corey says he's also quite impressed with the amount of females that have come on board. One thing that has really improved as it pertains to the Breakfast Club is the number of girls who are now participating in the Breakfast Club. I counted 14 girls in there the other day, 15 girls. So that's really great to see that the girls are getting together and starting to build their own bond and starting to build like their own miniature basketball club. So this is really great to see. The Breakfast Club is a basketball skills development program for committed, hardworking girls and boys who love playing the sport of basketball. In other local sports, a special Valentine's Day fun run is scheduled for this weekend. Mother's Union of St. George's Anglican Church presents Valentine's 5K Virtual Fun Walk Run. Proceeds are in aid of Maple House and their various outreach projects. It's $10 for adults and free for children under 12. It's scheduled for the weekend of February 12th, so get a group of friends and walk run 5K in support of children of Maple House. Registration closes on Friday, February 11th at 5 p.m. To register, head to caymanactive.com events. And that's not your only opportunity to hit the pavement this month for a good cause. Save the date for the Cayman Islands Humane Society annual 5K walk and wag. It's Sunday, February 27th. Registration is at 6.15 a.m. and the walk starts at 7 a.m. from Safe Haven. It's $25 to register and a free shirt for the first 200 to register. Bring your own dogs or pick up a dog from the shelter from 6 a.m. on the day of. That'll do it for Radio K-Man's local sports for this evening. I'm Dion Anglin.